0: Again, let me encourage you to take out your Bible or if you didn't bring one, there's one in the pew rack in front of you and turn in the New Testament to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, it's on page 1021 of the pew Bible. Going to be reading this morning verses 25 to 35. Uh, you might think of this I suppose in a sense as kind of part of the broader Christmas story and it does come from the very early years of Jesus' life but just as all of God's word is profitable for us I think it gives us some wonderful lessons for the Christian life what God has done for us and how he helps us to live for him. So let me read then from the Gospel of Luke Beginning in chapter 2, verse 35. This is God's Word. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple... And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you this morning for... Your grace, for your love, and we thank you especially for your word. We thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that He not only spoke the word of God truly, but He lived it perfectly. And we thank you that we have that word before us this morning. We have it in a language that we can understand. And so we pray that you would indeed Make it profitable for us that we might hear it, that we might learn it, and that we might live it. And yet we confess again this morning that we cannot do that on our own power, that we do indeed need your help. We need your help to unstop our deaf ears. We need your help, the help of the Holy Spirit, to illumine our minds, to help us understand the scriptures. And we need you to soften our hearts that we might have a true desire to live for you in all of our lives. So we pray that you would do that work this morning, even through the preaching of your word, that you might use weak vessels to do a mighty work because it's done in the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask these things all for your glory and the glory of our Savior and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were here this morning for the presentation in Sunday school, one of the people that you saw there up on the screen was a man named Tave No. He's kind of a little man, not of great stature. Even his son, who's just 19, 20 years old, kind of towers over him. But as I think of Tave No, that man that lives in a very rural area of Haiti, I'm struck by... All of the griefs and the burdens that his shoulders have been required to carry. All of those things that God has brought into his life. That I think any of us would say have been difficult. I remember... When we first moved to Haiti, going to his house at his request to pray for one of his young daughters at the time who was suffering from epilepsy. And you can imagine in a culture full of voodoo and full of animistic religions, people saying she had a demon, people saying she was possessed by something, but coming to them and praying with her that God would watch over her and protect her, That family having to deal with that illness, especially in a rural area away from the hospital. Then in 2010, the big earthquake comes and one of Tevno's older daughters, who was away at school in Port-au-Prince, she died under a building, collapsed in the earthquake. They suffered the grief, the loss of this teenage child. You fast forward a few years later, just in the last year or so, and that same daughter that we had prayed for those many years ago, uh, there on the island of Lagunov, suffered a crisis and she died. And they grieved again. The loss of a young child. And then to... Top it off, just about two months ago, I get a phone call from Tavno's son, Madoche, and he says, my father's in the hospital. He was coming down the mountain after a worship service on a Sunday afternoon back to town, and the motorcycle that he was on, a young driver, not very experienced, kind of uh, hit a rock, a slippery patch. They tumbled, and Tavno breaks his arm, ends up in the hospital. Suffering after suffering, right? Grief after grief. Where's the hope in the midst of that? Where's the hope in the midst of those kinds of circumstances? We all need to be consoled. And I think you don't probably need to look far in your own life or in the life of those around you to see those griefs because we all, every one of us, live in the same fallen world that's infected with sickness, that's infected with death, that's infected with disappointment, with brokenness. We all suffer. We suffer pain, we suffer loss. We suffer failure, and we all, unless the Lord Jesus comes again, will suffer death as well. And if you look at the world around you, you see them trying to console themselves. For some people, it's drugs and alcohol. Other people, it's different relationships. Maybe it's success and wealth and power. All of these things to console themselves when difficulties come into their lives. But what I want you to see this morning as we look at Simeon, and as we look at his Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see that it is only God who can bring us, who can give us that true consolation. He's the only one who can comfort us in our pain and in our sorrows. That's what the Apostle Paul expresses as he writes to the Corinthian church. A church full of troubles for sure. But there in the very first chapter, he reminds us that we serve a God of comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's that same word, console, comfort, the consolation of Israel that is talked about in Luke 2, consolation, comfort, the same thing that God brings us. And you see here that it is God who comforts first of all, isn't it? So much in the Bible is that way. It's really a kind of bedrock of our theology and way of understanding the Bible that God first loved us. So that we might be enabled to love him. God first comforts you. Why? So that you might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which you have received. So let's look at Luke chapter 2 and see this consolation, this comfort that God brings to this man Simeon how is it that God gives consolation well you see that phrase there in verse 25 that I want to put accent on and and see the consolation of Israel first of all now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him Have you ever known anybody who's waited a long time for something? Seems like that's kind of the story of many of the saints of the Old Testament, isn't it? They're always waiting. They're always waiting for deliverance from slavery. They're waiting for entrance into the promised land. They're waiting for God to build the kingdom. They're waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Think back to Abraham. Abraham whom God visited when he was 75 years old. Already an old man. His wife was barren. He had no children. And yet God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham believed that promise, didn't he? By faith. He believed that God could do it. He believed that God was going to do it. And yet he had to continue to wait. He tried different things in his own sinful way, having a child with his concubine, thinking that maybe this is the way God wanted to work, but he had to continue to wait, and it wasn't until he was 99 years old that God finally fulfilled that promise and said, it's through Isaac, this son, this one and only son of your old age that I will fulfill, begin to fulfill that promise that I have made to you. He waited a long time, nearly to the end of his life, before God fulfilled those promises. So who was this Simeon? The Simeon who also, like Abraham, was waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Well, it's interesting that Simeon's name means the Lord has heard. Right? You think of Simeon was one of the twelve sons of Jacob. One of the twelve tribes of Israel and Leah who was that unloved wife of Jacob. He loved Rachel more yet she was a wife she cried out to the Lord said Lord give me children so that my husband might love me. And she names him Simeon because the Lord has heard the Lord heard her prayer. Maybe for Simeon's parents it was the same way saying the Lord has heard, we know the Lord has heard the cries of Israel, saying, deliver us, deliver us from our sins, deliver us in the coming of the Messiah. We pray that the kingdom of God might come. And so there was faith there, recognizing that God, the God who hears all things, hears the cries of his people. Simeon was righteous and devout, Luke tells us. He was righteous. He was right with God. He had a right relationship with God, not just in the external things that he did, but in his heart. He brought his sacrifices with a true heart. He was looking forward to what those sacrifices meant, that one day God was going to send The perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God. Because here, even though we're in Luke and it's part of our New Testament, right? you recognize that in a way we're still in the Old Testament. The sacrifices are still being brought. The incense the priests put, the prayers going up to God, having to come to the temple, the place God had assigned to worship. Simeon did those things, but he was right with God. He was devout. He was like those saints of the Old Testament. I think Luke is pointing us backwards saying, who is Simeon like? Well, he's like Noah. Noah was righteous in God's sight. He's like Abraham. He's like Job. All of those saints of the Old Testament who, like Simeon, were waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. They looked to God. Not to their own efforts. Not to those who might bring in the kingdom in a military way. No, they were looking to God. And he was devout, one who followed the law of God. He did what God commanded him to do. And yet, even though he was righteous and devout, he still had to wait. And we come to that phrase there. It says that he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This was the Old Testament hope of all of those faithful saints. How was God going to bring comfort? Israel was no longer a great nation. They were under the thumb of the Roman oppressors who didn't even allow their courts to function. It was only at their behest that they were allowed to sacrifice in the temple. And they wondered, when was God going to bring comfort? Isaiah understood this as he begins in chapter 40 to Bring news, good news to the people of Israel. He says in verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, the consolation of Israel, the comfort that God was going to bring fundamentally, was the forgiveness of their sins. The only way that God could bring them comfort was first to restore that relationship with His people and to do it in the person of the Messiah, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where Simeon looked. He didn't look to his external circumstances. Jesus, speaking of the rich in Luke chapter 6, verse 24, said, You know, the rich in this life have received their consolation. They've gotten what they wanted. Yes, maybe their life is really easy now. But you will receive your consolation ultimately in the life to come and the blessings that God will bring. And so Simeon was waiting for God to fulfill His promises, for Him to bring comfort to Israel, ultimately to bring peace, to bring peace to them. You see, consolation and comfort can only happen if we are first at peace with God. Earlier in this chapter, you'll remember that well-known passage about the shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And who comes to them to proclaim the coming of this Messiah, but the angels, an angel comes. And then the heavenly host and they praise God and they say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There is peace with God. And that's where we receive the comfort that we need. That shalom. And so this man who was righteous and devout didn't have it yet. But in faith he looked to the promise of God and so he was willing to patiently wait. To pray. To be in the temple. To do as God required him to do. To look to the coming Messiah. You see, Simeon received that consolation because his hope was in the right place. It was in the right place, just like it was for Abraham, just like it was for Job, just like it was for Noah, just like it was for King David. He was looking to the coming of this Messiah. And the wonderful truth for us, even as we see Simeon waiting by faith we too as Christians of the New Testament wait by faith in one sense but in another sense we can say we have received it that blessed hope that Simeon waited for we have received in Paul's letter to Titus chapter 2 he says for the grace of God has appeared You see, even though Jesus has come now, there's a sense in which we are in a similar place like Simeon. We see the hope, it's clearly revealed to us. But we wait because Jesus has promised, I'm coming again. I'm making all things new. There is yet a new heavens and a new earth. Even as I have made in my people, I've made them into a new creation. Everything around us must be made new as well. And so we wait along with him. And it's only Jesus who can give us the peace to wait in that time where we wait for the consolation of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come again. You see, if we are anxious and we say, Lord, when are you coming back? Will it be soon? Come back soon. My life is hard. I need that comfort in the midst of loss. We can go to Jesus as he speaks to his disciples in John 14. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I can give you peace. So how do we do that? We see, what the consolation of Israel is, that New Testament hope of the coming of the Savior who brings us comfort, who brings forgiveness of sins. Well, Simeon helps us here as well because we see the consolation in the Holy Spirit. The consolation of Israel, but it's a consolation in the Holy Spirit. We need someone to console us sometimes, don't we? If we just lived off on an island by ourselves, it would be easy for us to get wrapped up in our own situations, in our own thought life, and, and get mixed up. Sometimes we need to count somebody to come from the outside and bring us a word of encouragement, or sometimes just to be with us. <clears throat> Think of Job in the Old Testament; he suffered the loss of all of his property, he suffered the loss of his children. He suffered the loss of his bodily health. He's sitting there in great pain. And who comes to him? Well, three friends come to Job. Now we think of them as Job's comforters. And that's not a positive way to speak about them. If you call somebody Job's comforter, you're not saying that they're actually bringing comfort, right? Because of all the words we know they speak, trying to judge Job. But... When they first came, what did they do? The scriptures tell us that they came and they saw Job from a distance. It's like they didn't even recognize him and they were so overcome by the pain that he was living. They came and they just sat with him for seven days. Just being there. But you know, we have one who sits with us as well, who is always with us, and that is the Holy Spirit. Three times here in Luke chapter 2, we hear of the Holy Spirit. First of all, it says that in verse 25, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon had the Holy Spirit, he was working in him. Helping him to live, to wait, to live a righteous and devout life. And then verse 26 says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. A revelation of the Holy Spirit about what he was about to experience and that he would not see that physical death before he had seen the fulfillment of God's promise. And then again, in verse 27, he came in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the temple. He receives the comfort of the Holy Spirit for life. He was given the ability by the Spirit to live a righteous life. And that should tell us something about ourselves. We cannot live our lives without the working of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the regeneration of our hearts, making us new. But also every day, bearing fruit, helping us to live lives, to bring consolation. Think of that New Testament church in the very beginning of Acts. How God, in a wonderful way, adds to their number. The church grows, but then what does God do? He allows persecution to come to the church and they're scattered all over the place. Saul, it said, ravaged the church. But in Acts chapter 9 verse 31, we read this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. See, they could have been discouraged. They could have said, what is God doing? But they had peace. They received that comfort, even for those who were in prison, some who had died because the Holy Spirit was at work. The comfort of the Holy Spirit for their lives. But the Holy Spirit also gave to Simeon this special revelation. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was living at the very cusp of history, the most momentous change that was ever going to happen in the history of the world was about to be revealed. And it was going to be revealed to him. You see, if... We're honest with ourselves as we look at our lives and the difficulty of our lives, the fear that life can bring and the anxiety. Probably our biggest fear is death. That's what they say, right? Everybody's afraid of death. And yet, God was saying to Simeon, you're going to see what I have been preparing. The whole of the Old Testament, what I've been preparing, it's going to come to fruition now and you are going to see that fulfillment in this child, the Lord Jesus. Simeon saw what all the prophets had wanted, the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. But what's so interesting is that he was exactly in the right place for that to happen. Where was he? He was in the temple. He came in the spirit into the temple. The place where God said he dwelled. The place where people were called to worship him. That's where he was. Where Mary and Joseph were coming to do what the law demanded. The sacrifice for purification for their newborn son. And so Simeon can wait. He can be comforted even in the face of death because the Holy Spirit is at work and we too can receive that consolation when we go to the right place to the Holy Spirit because who is that Holy Spirit the Apostle John recording the words of Jesus on that last night before he was crucified as he speaks to his very closest followers Jesus points to the one who is going to give consolation. Jesus is going away. They're not going to see him anymore. Three years they've spent with him. He's going away, but he says, don't worry. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Another helper, another comforter, Another consoler, the one who helps us. And what's he going to do? How's he going to do that? He's going to do that, verse 26 says, the helper, the consoler, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And in the same way that The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't die before he had held that child, that promised child in his arms. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the scriptures to write those things down so that we might have comfort. So that here in the word of God we might find comfort even as the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. consolation of Israel the consolation in the Holy Spirit and then finally the consolation for the world who is this consolation for you know to Haiti and traveling particular in particularly in Haiti can be difficult it can be a dangerous place especially now with the gangs and the kidnapping it can be a hard place to Get around. And sometimes it feels like what you need is you need someone who can really understand, right? Who can really understand what you're going through. As God, by His grace, consoles us in our grief, consoles us in our fears and anxiousness. Sometimes He brings that person alongside who can comfort us because we know they've gone through those very same things been reading over the last year some of the uh some of the history of the first protestant missions to Haiti back in the early 1800s shortly after Haiti's independence some Wesleyan Methodist missionaries were sent to Haiti the first protestant witness there and they worked planting churches in Port-au-Prince they traveled around the country and as i read the stories about those two pastors i was struck by this passage one of them pastor Katz writes about the dangers that he experienced there and he had gone out into the mountains in the south of Haiti and said there were two things two dangers that I encountered there one was the very difficult travel on the roads right rocky dusty muddy when it rained And the other thing was the danger from the bandits. There were these bandits that would come and rob people, and so they had to be careful as they traveled around. And I thought to myself, here we are in Haiti 200 years later, and it's the same kind of dangers that we encounter. There was some consolation in that, that they went through some of the very same experiences that we did. But the consolation that we bring and that we have, God says, is not just for ourselves. right? That's what the Apostle Paul was getting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We are comforted by God so that we can comfort others. And those are the words that Simeon proclaims here in Luke chapter 2 as he takes the child up in his arms. He blesses God and he says, Lord... You are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He's saying, I can depart in peace because I've seen the fulfillment of the promise, the true peace that he can bring. This is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Unto you a child is born, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? The Prince of Peace. Simeon can depart in peace. He's bringing a word of peace. Peace with God that comes through this Messiah, this child. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. It's wonderful to see here that the faith that God had given Simeon, the faith that he had all through his life, is now sight. He now sees with his eyes what God has prepared. What God is doing through this Messiah, through this child. And he comes, as it were, face to face with the fulfillment of God's promises in this baby. All of the hopes of Israel. All of the comfort that Israel needed. It meant that the kingdom of God was coming right then. And the kingdom has come in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we too, we see it by faith, don't we? Even as the Holy Spirit works. That's the gospel, that we look at this baby and what's recorded and how he grew in wisdom and stature, how he fulfilled the will of God, how he went to the cross, he died, he was raised from the dead, so that we might trust in him. And all of that is by Faith with the eyes of faith. That's what God calls us to. But then the question we might ask is if Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, is it only for Israel? Who is this consolation for? Because I don't think any of us in this room fit in that pattern. We're not descendants of Jews, we're certainly not practicers. There, we're not necessarily of the people of Israel, but we are the children of Abraham. And Simeon says, It is a salvation you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon understood that the greatness of what was happening in what Jesus came to do, that it wasn't just for Israel, but it was indeed for the whole world. This good news was not something that could be kept under a bushel. It couldn't be kept to one locality, to one group of people. But it was for the ends of the earth. Even the Old Testament proclaimed this so clearly in many, many places in the Psalms we see this, but particularly in Psalm 98. We hear he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. It was for them as well. Yes, for the Jews first and then for the Greek, for the Gentiles, the pagans, for those who were far off, who have now been brought near. The consolation of Israel indeed is for all the nations. And that's why we go. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we help churches in other nations to grow up into what Christ wants them to be. Because we believe that this comfort that God brings by the Holy Spirit and the scriptures is for the whole world. And when we have received that consolation, we are called to take it to the world because it is good news. And so I encourage you this morning, pray that God would raise up missionaries to go to places like Haiti and Uganda and China and all of the ends of the earth. That God would fulfill his promises. It's consolation for Israel. But now you, as the people of God, look to Jesus again and look to His second coming. That's where your final consolation is found. Yes, He's come, and we rejoice in that good news, but we also look forward because we know it's not finished. It's not made right. But it will one day, and so we wait with faith for Jesus to come again. And we wait for that consolation in the Holy Spirit because we recognize we cannot do it on our own. We need the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring us peace and patience, even joy. And it is indeed consolation for the world because it's there that that good news is found The Apostle Paul speaks of that comfort in chapter 1 that God brings in the midst of our affliction. And then in verse 5, he speaks about the reconciliation. You see, the comfort of God only comes if we have been reconciled to Him. And we have that ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is... Truly only in the gospel. So that the words of Isaiah and Isaiah 25 might indeed come true. Do you hear echoes of what we read earlier in Isaiah 25 in the book of Revelation? What does God promise? He will swallow up death forever.